The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'm happy to be here. It's been actually quite a while since I've been here um, speaking with your group. And uh, I thought I'd, I'd talk to you a little bit about um, one aspect of the practice of the Satipatthana Sutta, which um, some of you are probably familiar with. Uh, so Satipatthana Sutta is the uh, often translated as the four foundations of mindfulness. So it's one of the main suttas that a lot of the meditation practices that uh, have come down to us at this day and age uh, of practice has come from. And one particular aspect of that uh, sutta that has interested me um, over the last year or so that I've been working with. So I, I like to start with the introduction to that sutta, which I find very uh, inspiring. So pikkus, uh, or all of us here, practitioners. This is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of nibbana, or liberation, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. So this is how Buddha starts out uh, this discourse. And it's very inspiring, right? It's, a, it's like a good ad for doing the practice, right? So here's what you get from this. Surmounting sorrow and lamentation. That sounds good, right? Disappearance of pain and grief, right? Who doesn't want that? Uh, attainment of the true way. Okay, that may be a bit more cryptic depending on your relationship to spiritual life. And then realization of nibbana or liberation, right? So then he goes on in this, uh, uh, teaching to talk about different aspects. So practicing with the body, physical body, practicing with mental states, uh, practicing with pleasant, unpleasant, uh, neutral Vedana, and then with different aspects of the teachings themselves and reflecting on them, right? So some of you may be familiar with this. And in the part that's talking about the body, it starts with the body, physical body, uh, which is a really great object for our meditation practice. So partly because it's always here with you, right? The physical body. So it's not so esoteric, right? It's like uh, with you, carrying you around, if you perceive it that way, right? Uh, has its ups and downs and so on, right? So the aspect that um, interested me was one angle that's about the four elements. Uh, so the four elements is a kind of ancient scientific uh, categorization of both elements in nature, but also elements as it relates to our own physical bodies, right? So probably you won't relate so much to the scientific angle on it. So the elements are earth, air, fire, and water, right? So that was kind of their ancient uh, categorization. But you might relate to the practice, which is actually to be able to feel your body in these different ways. So to have a direct experience of the body uh, through paying attention to some experience of these different elements, right? And in paying attention to the body with this particular angle of attention, then you can see that actually our body is always changing. Our body is not under our control. Our body is not one solid thing. And because of all those things, that if we try to grasp for that, then it will lead to suffering. So that's what I thought I'd talk to you about uh, today. So maybe I'll start out um, a little bit with my understanding about the Dhamma, which I often like to do with groups. So, you know, the Buddha was a guy who lived 2,600 years ago, and he had sort of existential uh, crisis. 
and wanted to find out well, you know, what's what's the point of all this? What's the, the cause of suffering? What's the end of suffering? What's it all about? He went and did various spiritual practices, looked here, looked there, finally basically figured out his own way, and then, as they say, was enlightened. So he saw through into the true nature of how things are. right? And then he was free. Then he had actually surmounted sorrow and lamentation, pain and grief. Right? So what was it that he found out? Uh, so this is what's called the Dhamma, so the teachings of the truth, the teachings of the way things are. So good, good news about this Dhamma is that it's not something that he made up or kind of concocted or created this like complex philosophical system around. It actually was something that he discovered through paying attention with his own uh, awareness, right? And which thus is actually the truth of the way things are and available to all of us to pay attention to in the same way, right? So we have as much access to that as he might have at that time of his own spiritual quest, right? And thus, the more that we live in alignment with the way things are, with the Dhamma, then basically the happier and more harmonious our life will be. And the more we live out of harmony with that, then the more suffering we'll have, the more uh, friction, uh, stress there'll be in our life, right? So it's kind of akin to the law of gravity, say, right? Which is kind of an aspect of just how things are, right? So the law of gravity, as far as I know, is not really run by any person or bureau or anything like that, right? Uh, and it acts uh, equally on all of us, right? So regardless of your uh, height, age, race, ed- education, uh, good-lookingness, any of that stuff, right? You are subject to the law of gravity. When you're born, you don't seem to know about that so much. So you often see little babies sort of practicing or experimenting with the law of gravity, right? So they will find things and drop them, throw them off the high chair, watch them fall to the ground, right? And then it usually becomes a game where the grown-up picks it up and puts it back and, you know, so on, right? So, but by doing this, by experimenting, you actually see, the baby sees, like, oh, this is uh, part of the way things are, right? If you drop stuff, it will land on the ground, like that. Sometimes it bounces, right? (laughs) and that's just part of how things are. So then, as a grown-up, you know, you know what? There's this thing going on. So if I wanted to place this glass in thin air like this, it will probably fall. Glass might break. Water will spill. I'll no longer have a glass of water. There will be a mess, right? So it's not because there's some problem that I need to take personally. It's not because uh, there is something that I did wrong, per se. You know, it's just that this is part of the way things are. This is how things are. So then if I would like to place this down, it's better to place it on something, understanding that that's how things work, right? So similarly with the Dhamma, you know, it's just the way things are, and a lot of it is actually observable, right, to us. Uh, and the tools of the practice of mindfulness uh, and of the meditation practices and reflection practices help us to know this, right? So as we learn this, then we naturally act in a way that's in accordance with the way things are. Right, and so then similarly, we're not trying to do things that are going to cause grief per se. Right, so we're not trying to, you know, metaphorically place things in thin air, uh, and thus our life goes more harmoniously. Right. So this includes actually paying attention to our actions in the world, uh, and understanding that our actions actually have results, like don't disappear. So this is actually the law of karma. Right. So when you do things with uh, wholesome intention in the mind, then we'll have some positive effect. If we do things with uh, unwholesome intention in the mind, it will have negative effect immediately and uh, in the future. Right. 
So back to the four elements. So one of the ways that we can pay attention and learn, so just like the dropping things off the high chair, is by paying attention to actually our physical body. So what is this actually thing that we call our body, right? Like, what is it really? So certainly there's the visual form that we have, right? And that we see in the mirror and that, you know, changes a little bit here and there. And, uh, and then there's actually our d- direct experience through our sense of the sensations of the body, right? So with the four elements of the body, it's helpful to pay attention to that aspect of things, right? So I'll just direct you a little bit to reflections about this. And it's the kind of thing that you can reflect on sort of internally and externally, which is part of what's uh, suggested in the Satipatthana Sutta, and also have a direct experience of, right? So we'll take the first one, which we could say is the air element, right? So air element, or, uh, you know, if you look at a modern taxonomy, it might be sort of gas or something like that. So air element. So the air is all around us, right? In some way, as human beings, we're all swimming around in air, right? And then as you do the practice, so many of you are probably doing the paying attention to your breath practice, right? You attend to your breath as it goes in and out. So what we're actually paying attention to is, in fact, the air element as it enters our body, right? And it leaves our body, right? So the air element is this essential part of our being, right? So the breaths that we take have been this continuous chain of our life from the time you're born, right? And you get whacked and then start crying and breathing, right? And then all the way through to death, right? You take your last breath. That's this continuous chain. So we're constantly in this interaction with the air element, right? And in fact, it's actually one thing that we all share in this room. So we're all, you know, intaking and exhaling from this same kind of source. So we're in the same, like, little fishbowl here in, uh, you know, IMC, right? There's our exit. It's like the little castle in the fishbowl, right? You can swim out there and go in there, bathroom, right? Uh, but we're all in the air, right? Taking it in, exhaling, right? And then that goes into the lungs and so on, right? But you can feel that air element, feeling the expansion, contraction, right? Feeling the expansion, contraction in your chest, uh, feeling that in your lungs, right? So next one we'll take a, a look at is the water element, right? So see if you can feel right now some liquid liquidity in your body. So common places to look are your saliva in your mouth. Okay. Sometimes you can feel some like mushiness in your stomach. Right. Sometimes you can feel some sweat somewhere, moistness. Right. So this is like the water element. right? So the water element is also a big part of who we are. So technically speaking, we're about three-quarter made of water as human beings, right? Which is actually about the same proportion as the earth, right? And I understand that about every seven days, you replenish your supply of water, right? So, you know, get rid of it and come back and drink more. And uh, so if you go to someplace new, you know, in about a week's time, you become, like, largely made up of that water from that place, right? Uh, I went to New York uh, a couple weeks ago, and then, you know, after being there for a week, then I was made of New York water, right, three-quarter of my body, right? And in some ways, we're kind of like these Brita filters, you know, you're basically constantly pouring water in, it's like sifting through you, taking out impurities, you know, constantly going through, going through, right? So our body is kind of this this bag, even when you feel like your skin, your arms, like it's kind of mushy, right? You know, so there's like some softness there, and a lot of that softness is made of the liquidity, right, of our bodies. So the water element is a big part of who we are, as it is a big part of the earth, 
right? So you can feel that sense, that sense of the liquidity of our body, right? Which also has to do with uh, cohesion, right? Some sense of cohesion of water elements together. So that's the air element, the water element. Uh, next one we'll look at is the fire element. So fire element is actually about heat, right? Temperature. Uh, so our body is in some places hot, in some places cold, right? Uh, sometimes you can feel more heat, like in your belly area, you know, under your arms, different places. If you had to rush to get in here and you sit down, then you feel like the heat element a lot, right? I think it was pretty warm today, right? In San Francisco, it was pretty warm, probably warmer down here, right? So that's different than it was last week when it was like cold and rainy, right? So then you feel that heat element externally, but then also there is a heat element internally for ourselves. So that sense of temperature of heat, cold, right? And then sometimes kind of like you feel in uh, externally, there's sort of an area in which there's sun and there's shade and different areas of temperature. You can feel that in your body too, right? Like certain parts are hot, certain parts are cold, even as you sit here, right? So I can feel like the coolness in my arms, but then I can feel like heat my socks. I'm wearing socks that are possibly too warm for today, you know. Uh, you know, it's just all these different currents of temperature uh, changing going through, right? And then we have the earth element. So the earth element is the element of solidity, right? So solidness of the ground, the ground that's always supporting us. And you can feel this element in your body through the solidity of the bones in your body, through the solidity of your teeth. So there are certain parts of the body that we can feel as being more solid, right? So you can even get a sense of that sitting here, like feel the solidity of where you're touching your chair or your cushion, right? So you can feel some pressure where we're touching the ground, right? You can feel some pressure there, right? The solidity. So we're made of this uh, solidity as well, right? Although the solidity is also actually an illusion, so the solidity feels like it's made of minerals and things like that. But it's actually similar to what it is outside. So coming up here, there's sidewalk, right? The sidewalk is made of cement. So cement is like ground up stones and stuff, right? And actually our bones are made of minerals too, right? So similarly, there's externally this earth element. So the ground, obviously the dirt, considered the earth element. The stones, all the solidity in the world. And then similarly, there's a part of us that's that solidity too, right? So then it's interesting to take into account, you know, how does that get to be there? So we we have this def- definition of me and everything else. So me and nature, right? So there's my body and then there's the world around me, right? So how we come to be alive and how we continue our life is also largely through eating and drinking, right? And actually maintaining the conditions in which the body can thrive, right? So for most of us, uh, you know, living here in the Bay Area, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, it's not an area in which there's war or it's not an area in which there's such extremes of temperature, things like that. So sometimes you can get kind of lulled into thinking that, like, the body's not that delicate, right? But truth to be told, like, it is actually pretty delicate, right? So if you don't take in water for, like, three days, I believe it is, uh, you're likely to die, right? Food, you can go a little bit longer, but water, you really need to replenish your body. And the temperature also, right? So, you know, if it gets too hot, you become very uncomfortable. If it becomes too cold, you become very uncomfortable, right? 
I used to live on the East Coast, and I feel like I had a much broader range of temperature uh, that I could stand there. And now that I moved to San Francisco, it's like maybe between 55 and 75 is like okay for me. Actually, 55 is a little cold, right? Maybe 60 to 75 is like okay, and anything outside of that's too cold, too hot, right? Body starts to com- be unpleasant and complain a little, right? So that we have, need these conditions as well, right, of temperature, right? Then we actually need this earth element too. So uh, I don't know how many of you here take uh, minerals, uh, take vitamins that have minerals in them. Uh, but we take in minerals, right, through the food that we eat, uh, through vitamins, things like that, which help to replenish our bones, calcium, right, hard pieces, right. So we're in constant interaction in this way with our environment, right. So another way that we take in things is this aspect of food, right, nutrition. And I think it's helpful to reflect on this, too, uh, in terms of our connection, our interconnection with the earth and actually with everything, right. So, you know, I said if we don't drink water for a couple of days, we'll die, right? But supposing you got water, but you didn't get food. So also, after some period of time, your body would start to suffer a lot, right? So where does the food come from? The food actually comes from the ground, right? So the food uh, grows from the ground in the earth element through water, through sun, right? So through the heat element, through the liquid element, right? Then this plant is allowed to grow, right? Even if you're a carnivore, right, usually the animals that you eat would eat the plants. So somewhere along the line, it gets back to those plants, right? And then those plants are harvested by someone. They're brought to a store or they're brought to a a restaurant. They're prepared in a certain way. You get them at the grocery store. You go to the restaurant. You get your food. And then you start to uh, eat it, right? So hopefully you got a chance to eat today. So you can reflect as I uh, talk about this on what you ate as your last meal, right? So what was in that last meal, right? So think about the ingredients that were in the meal that you had, uh, maybe prior to this or lunch or, you know. Hopefully this would not cause too much suffering from people who had wished they had eaten before but didn't get to, right? So you think about what's in there, right? So think about where those elements came from. So plant life was growing somewhere. If it was bread, it was like wheat, Right. Also grown somewhere, then ground in a mill. Right. Uh, if it was something dairy products, then it came from cows or goats, right? Who also had spent a lot of time munching on the grass, right? And then that food is it comes to us, and then we eat it, and then an interesting thing happens because the border between what we think is me and not me starts to become permeated, right? So usually you identify this is me and this is the sandwich, right? And the sandwich is not me, right? This is me, right? But then as you start to eat the sandwich, the sandwich becomes me, right? So at what point does the sandwich become me? Like, where's that boundary of that? You know, it's in your mouth. You're chewing it. It still is not usually considered me, per se. After you swallow it, then does it become me, right? It goes down, goes in your stomach. Then all of those elements, which include the interconnection between the sun, the earth, the wind actually also, the rain, right, uh, comes to be part of your own body, right? So it's only through eating every day in that way and connecting with the external elements that actually our own internal elements are also uh, nurtured, right? So why is it helpful to reflect like this? So both you get a sense of this interconnection, right, this interconnection between what we consider our separate self and the external world, which is actually somewhat illusory, right? Like it's much more permeable than we think, right? Also because as we actually pay attention to the body, 
in its bare physical sensations of cold, hot, right, the sense of liquidity, the sense of solidity, the sense of air, right? We can feel that actually they're just these impersonal elements, really, right? And actually it's the same thing that we're feeling that someone else is feeling in some ways, right? So different combinations, different uh, permutations, but basically when you get down to the bare attention level, it's very similar for all of us, right? And all of these elements are not being directed by yourself, right? I mean, you can certainly do things to try to uh, machinate a little bit, right? So put on a jacket and this and that to change a little bit. But the body is doing its own thing also, right? You try and do your best to take care of the body, try to exercise, you try to eat, try to not like get too cold. But at the end of the day, it's kind of doing its own thing at the same time, right? Everything's not in our control of our body, right? So... The body grows in different ways, some of which we like, some of which we don't like. Gets older, you know, hair starts to lose here, appear here, you know, different things. Uh, you know, our face changes shape. We like it, we don't like it, you know. Uh, all this stuff, right? So we kind of do our best with our in- intentions of compassion to kind of work with that. But in the end of the day, also, the body is not fully in our control. So that's just a little reflection on the elements for you. And you can actually do this practice uh, in several different ways. So one is, of course, before you eat, you know, actually to consider what you're eating. And, you know, just take a few moments to sort of think about its journey there, so to speak. And then its connection to your uh, own body, right? And that actually is, you know, appreciation, because in that uh, chain of events have been so many people, birds, worms, humans, cooks, you know, that actually brought that to you, right? So just taking a moment to reflect on and connect with that chain of uh, connection, right? So also it means that even on your worst day, the fact that you have food in front of you means that all these different uh, people and animals have sort of conspired that (laughs) you might live again, right? So it's good to remember that too, right, and appreciate that, right? And in all of that process, there also has been a lot of death too, Right, so death of bugs, death of animals. There's been a lot of life and death that's gone on in that, right? As much as we try uh, to minimize that too. So appreciating what it's taken for that to come to us, right? Sweat, blood, sweat, tears. So at the point of eating, and then also actually in your meditation. So you can actually sit in your meditation and pay attention, particularly to these different elements. So you can say like, okay, I want to pay attention to this uh, fire element. So just noticing like where there's heat, right? Uh, where there's coolness, right? You can pay attention to the air element. So feeling that coming in and out, your breath, right? Wherever else you're feeling the air element. You can pay attention to the element of water, liquidity. So just noticing where that is in your body, right? And you can pay attention to the solidity, to the earth element, right? So you can either do that sort of sequentially in an intentional way, or as you're just doing your regular meditation, when you notice something, like something in your knee or something in your uh, arm, uh, instead of uh, immediately going to arm or knee, you know, feel like, what is actually that bare sensation? Like, what is that like? Is it solidity? Is it cohesion? Is it heat? Uh, you know, what is what does that uh, actually feel like? And then connect that with sort of the elements, too. So maybe I'll leave it at that uh, with the elements uh, and see if there's any questions people have or reflections. Uh, you'd like to share too on this or anything else too 
Um, thanks for that. Um, I had a question about, you were talking about the four foundations of mindfulness and then also the four elements. And if you could talk about, is, are the four elements under one of the four foundations of mindfulness? Or are they a separate category or just kind of yeah. link those for us? They're, um, they're under the body category. So the, the, there's a category of the body that actually has a lot of different, like maybe 14, 15 different sub things under it. Yeah, so that's where it lies. Um, I was wondering because, I mean, sometimes when I'm sitting, I notice like a sort of like a dull ache or something in my shoulder, just, you know, from working with the computer all the time. But yeah. like, like, how could, would I, would I be able to kind of like describe or notice that in terms of the four elements? Like, oh, it feels kind of like a dull heat. Like, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, you, you could do it exactly like that. Um, so I mean, basically it's a way to help us to somewhat de- disidentify with that experience that we're having. Uh, and disidentify not meaning to separate, right? But it's like t- to not identify, but also completely connect with it. So just like you're saying, like, is, is there feeling what it is actually? And then if you're feeling like heat, if you're feeling like solidity, if you're feeling like whatever it is, um, it's a way to kind of help get close to that. Um, and you don't need to get super hung up on like, oh, with, which element is this or something <laughs> like that, you know? Uh, so it's basically just, like sort of a tool to help us uh, connect with that. Uh, and then also, if if that's an interesting sort of lens for you, then to see that in that lens. So for me, like, it's been interesting to do that, both the reflection about externally, like I was saying, and then also internally, and then connect that more and more. Um, I mean, even in ways like, say, uh, you know, the part of the, the liquid thing is that we have the circulatory system, right? So like blood and stuff, so all going around in our body all the time. Pump, 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 right? And there actually is also this whole circulatory system in the cities, too, right? So sometimes people feel like, oh, in the city, it's hard to connect with nature and the elements, but all this stuff is there, too. So in the city, there's this whole plumbing system, right? It's like this entire circulatory system here in uh, Redwood City, right? Since all of you have plumbing here. Uh, and it's just like also constantly pumping water out. And then also a, constant, a sewage system, right? So there's all these different systems of pipes in which all these this stuff is going around and... Then when I connect to that in my own body, it's like, oh yeah, the externally, internally, you know, there's like this reflection that's there, uh, and connection. So some of it can be like sort of reflection, you know, contemplation reflection. And then some of it is actually directly connecting to it, to that experience of it, you know, with mindfulness. So just like you're saying, like, like feeling that in the shoulder. Thank you. I had a question, um, along similar lines. I also work at the computer all day and um, noticing that I'm suffering from really bad posture and I'm trying to fix it and trying to think of how I can correct it. I mean, is it sort of like meditation when you're trying to do mental noting? I mean, what's the best way? Should I not judge myself and just first notice it for a few weeks before trying to actually correct it? Or, you know, sometimes I find myself judging myself and getting angry. Like, why am I doing that to my you know, shoulders? But... Yeah, yeah. So, so this is a good, uh, like, uh, it's a good um, avenue for a lot of practice. So, you, so you're trying to pay attention. So you notice that you feel like, oh, my posture is not good. And what makes you notice that? Like, people tell you, or you feel bad, or you know, both. Yeah. Yeah. So you get reflection from outside, but then also you feel something, right? Yeah, I feel discomfort, but somehow I've gotten used to making myself be in pain, like by slouching. Right. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So you're used to a certain kind of kind of discomfort that mm-hmm. happens, yeah. 
And, you know, actually I think that like all of practice to some extent, like all of this whole path, which is about suffering and the end of suffering, is becoming increasingly tuned in to different levels of discomfort that are there that otherwise we kind of gloss over or ignore because we're not paying attention or because we're paying attention to something else or because we're in our own world. And then as you pay attention to it more, uh, allowing that to release more, right? So dukkha and the end of dukkha. So here we have a great example, posture. So the first thing is like, to actually look at it as this interesting thing, you know, like anything that seems like a problem, because you have like spiritual practice, it's great because it's like, oh, this is an interesting thing to practice with, right? So one is like have compassion for yourself, right? So everything comes about because of causes and conditions. So the, you know, bad posture comes about because, I don't know, I'm going to make up things now. So, you know, spend a lot of time in sitting in chairs like this, um, Maybe don't, you know, the body doesn't get enough breaks, you know, to move around and stuff. Maybe the furniture is made for people who are, like, bigger than you. You know, like, all these different reasons why that contribute to this uh, posture. Maybe, like, it's stressful at the job, so then it's, like, start to get more and more crunched up, you know, like this. Um, So just having compassion for oneself, understanding, like, oh, yeah, okay, all these different causes and conditions have led to what this current situation is. So now I'm bringing attention to this. I see this. I see this as an aspect of suffering, right? So can I bring compassion for the body, right? And also to the mind as I'm dealing with this, right? And then I think um, with something like that, it's not that you have to, like, observe the pain over and over, but it's like, okay, so what is it that brings relief? So sometimes it's just like, okay, so uh, you're going to work with this with the elements. So sometimes I find, like, if I get like that, like, like bringing in the air element, you know, like, it's like bringing in the air element actually just brings more uprightness or something like that, right? So you can pay attention to like, well, what is it, what are the conditions then that actually lead to the body being uh, happy, well off, like uh, healthy, right? So that's actually a good thing is to try and take care of your body and try and create conditions for it to be uh, okay, right? So it's, it's not like it's a wussy meditator thing to do to, you know, <laughs> like not suffer with that. So I think it's, you know, that's a good compassionate thing to do, just like you would want to do for someone else who is in pain, right? So then, you know, there's all these different ways that you could work with that. It's like, oh, maybe I need to do yoga more or stretch or get up every 15 minutes or, you know, so that, but then you're working with it in the context of both understanding like, okay, so this came about for these different conditions. So that takes away the like self-flagellating aspect of it. Or the aspect, if there's any judgment, like, oh, I'm such a bad postured person or, you know, I can't believe I let this go on so long or I should have better posture or, I caught myself with bad posture an hour ago, and now it's back. How is that? You know, like on and on, right? So, so uh, you know, trying to let go of that stuff if that's happening. But if it is happening a lot, then also have compassion for that, the judging mind, right? Judging mind. Judging mind is just adding on to what's already a bad situation for the poor body that's been made to, like, be crunched up like this all the time, right? So then bringing compassion like that. And then, yeah, doing what you can, I think, with the physical body. So it's like actually paying attention to what is it that brings comfort both in that moment and uh, outside, right? So um, I was just wondering, so you do the whole meditation and you focus on posture, for example? To do a whole meditation focusing on posture? Yeah, I mean, is that... Like regarding the question that was just asked, are you saying? No, no, regarding what the sutta explains. Oh, okay. No, the sutta uh, explains actually just paying attention to the elements themselves. Uh, and there's actually many different ways that you can do that. Uh, in the sutta itself, in fact, I have it here. Let me read it to you. Um, the sutta itself actually draws this metaphor that's a little bit gory, perhaps, about being able to see 
the different elements as if a cow was chopped up at a crossroads. Um, since you asked, let's see. Okay, so a bhikkhu, there's all these different ways that you're paying attention to the body. So it's actually like you start out with the in this body section. There's about the breathing, paying attention to the breath. Then there's a sort of paying attention to uh, the different organs of the body, actually. So actually visualizing and feeling them. So then we come to this uh, broader sense of paying attention to the body, like when walking, stretching. And then we get to the elements here. So Abhika reviews the same body, however it is placed, however disposed, as consisting of elements thus. In this body, there are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. Just as though a skilled butcher or his apprentice had killed a cow and was seated at the crossroads with it cut up in pieces, so too a bhikkhu practitioner reviews the same body as consisting of elements thus. In this body, there is the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the air element. In this way, the practitioner abides contemplating the body as a body, internally, externally, both internally and externally, and abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That too is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body. So just a little bit of specifics. I mean, it's just saying to notice the different elements. And then there's all these different ways in which you can kind of work with that. So some people actually get very interested in one particular element, like water element, and then that is actually the focus of their meditation, is becoming aware of that as that arises, right? You can kind of like not push these things too much, because if it doesn't really interest you, then it's just a drag to have to, you know, do that all the time. Uh, but if it does interest you, then I encourage you to explore that. So either looking for the different four elements or uh, one of them that's particularly interesting to you, too. Yeah. And then this internally, externally one is um, interesting, too. So it's like paying attention to that in your own body. And also, like, externally, I interpret that to be, like, in the world as well as in the bodies of other people, right? So not in, like, a creepy way, but just, like, noticing that everyone else is breathing, too, you know. Like all animals are breathing, you know, taking in the air element. The plants even, right, are all breathing, but opposite to us, right, which is good. So we're like in harmony with them in some way, right? Uh, the birds, the squirrels, the fish, you know, breathing in the water, you know, all that. So it's like seeing that that's part of life. Like the whole planet is like breathing all the time in this way, right? Everything's in motion, you know, and we're a part of that. So you can kind of play around with it. I think you can be like a little creative with it if it's uh, interesting to you in that way. This is the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle-length discourses, and Satipatthana is number 10 of it, uh, Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And you can also find it online, too, so you don't actually have to carry around this giant book <laughs> like that. So I understand also that you're about to start a series about um, daily practice, too at-home practice. So uh, I also had a few thoughts that I thought I would share about that, uh, which I'll do now. You can also ask more elements things, too. So so how many people here have a daily practice that they feel happy about? Happy about. Happy about. Okay. okay. So first thing to say that you're not alone, right? So many people have some struggle with this at some times in their life. And um, sometimes other people don't, right? Um, I found that oftentimes people take to or not take to kind of similarly to their persona, so to speak, to meditation. So some people are like pretty disciplined people about every which thing. 
And then oftentimes those people don't have as hard a time of like starting a daily practice. Uh, other people are kind of like team sports kind of people. So they'll, you know, do things in groups. So many of you may be this kind of person. So it's like, oh, I'll come to the center because then I will meditate. But I know if I was left to my own devices, <laughs> it would be less likely that I would be sitting here at quarter to uh, nine uh, doing this, right? So it's good to know your own sort of tendencies and patterns and work with them, right? So in some ways, start doing meditation practice, starting meditation practice, is uh, just like any other element of um, behavior change, so any other habit that you want to pick up, right? So it may seem like a little mysterious and esoteric, but there's a way in which it's just kind of a habit, right? So uh, I think it helps to think about a habit which you may have developed successfully in your life at some point. So let's take, for example, brushing your teeth. Right? So if you haven't developed brushing your teeth as a habit, don't feel bad, but I'm just going to use this as an example. Right? So what are the elements in brushing your teeth? Right? So one is that you do it at a similar time every day. Right? So most people brush their teeth either when they get up or before they go to bed, right? or both, or after lunch. Right? So you know when you're going to do it, okay? Point one. Knowing when you're going to do it, setting aside the time, right? Number two, uh, most people have their brush, toothbrushing equipment, right? Toothbrush, toothpaste, right? Always at hand. They run out, they get more. And they keep it in the same place all the time, right? So you keep it usually in the bathroom, maybe, maybe in the kitchen, but you know, you know where it is, right? So number two, you have your equipment and you keep it in the same place, right? So, uh, if you didn't do this, you could imagine if you were like keeping your toothpaste sometimes in the car and sometimes in the kitchen and sometimes, you know, look for it every time you're going to brush your teeth, right? You'd be less likely to actually brush your teeth, right? Also, if you didn't decide when you're going to brush your teeth already and now have it as a given, if you just kind of vaguely took an aspiration that toothbrushing seemed like a good thing to do and uh, you'd like to add that to your life, you've heard about toothbrushing as a positive thing, You've met people who've brushed their teeth and seem to be good, clean people, right? So you think, I'll do that sometime. But then you haven't decided when. You don't have the equipment and you haven't decided. You know. So you can see where I'm going with this, right? So for meditation, um, it's helpful to decide when you're going to do it and basically make some internal commitment to doing that, right? So when is a good time to do it? Um, so, of course, any time. But for some people, the morning, right when they get up, is good get up. Sometimes you can tie it to something you already have a good habit with, like brushing your teeth. So it's like, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to sit. That's like tacked on to the toothbrushing regimen, right? Uh, for some people, when you come home from work, is good. For some people, right before they go to bed is good. So it's good to kind of like uh, figure out what time may be the best for you, right, to do that. Right? Then the sort of equipment. So of course you don't need that much equipment to sit and breathe, right? Uh, but it can help to have something that sort of reminds you of that, right? So you have some equipment, like if you like to sit on the ground, you have your cushion uh, or something like that, right? Some people have like a small altar or something like that, which sort of helps remind them of that part of yourself, so that intention to be awake or that intention to develop yourself uh, uh, or whatever your relationship is to practice, right? And it doesn't have to be like a huge thing, the altar. You know, it could be just like, some things that inspire you or some pictures of uh, teachers or even of nature or people that you love or, you know, something small, little flower, whatever. Um, so some people are into that, some people are not, um, but that's just a suggestion too as part of the, like, making a place thing, right? So if you can have a little setup in your uh, apartment home, 
then that's helpful because it kind of reminds you, kind of in the same way like your toothbrush, toothpaste are there, right? It's like, oh yeah, this meditation thing, right? That's my meditation spot, right? So then you walk by and you remember it, and you know, you know, okay, so I brush my teeth, then I roll into this thing, right? So we're, I mean, we're kind of like dogs, we gotta train ourselves, right? <laughs> As best you can to do these things, right? So the other thing that's helpful sometimes is social pressure in toothbrushing. So if you live with other people, and if they're also brushing their teeth, and you're not, right, <laughs> it becomes noticeable, right? So it also is always helpful if there's other people who do that, like who meditate. So coming here is helpful, social pressure to do that, right? Uh, but if you have people in your home who do, then also you could try and meditate together. Also is helpful, right? So think about, like, so those of you who are having a hard time with practice, so we sat here for half an hour, right, and we didn't... Uh, get up and stuff, right? Uh, so at home, you may or may not be able to do that. You may feel like that's hard to do, right? So uh, so what is that about, right? So one thing that it's about is... Uh, well, actually, I should ask you what it's about. I shouldn't tell you what it's about. What do you think it's about when it's hard to sit for, like, half an hour? Supposing at this point you've gotten to the cushion and you're like, okay, I'm going to sit, and then you bounce. So wh- what happens if you're willing to... All of us have this problem, so go ahead, yeah. Yes. Oh, she's asking for the mic, actually. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, just the hindrances, restlessness, doubt, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yes. I mean, it's a good answer. It's not In my good. experience. Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't want to steal uh, Andrea's uh, subjects in uh, talking about this, but yeah, the hindrances are also. Um, Key, 2,600 years of tradition of this being things that dog people who try to meditate. <laughs> so uh, you probably have discussed them here. So there, uh, doubt is one of them. So that could come in your daily sitting practice in the form of like, should I really be doing this or should I be doing something else? Don't I have all those bills to pay? Should I make that phone call? Shouldn't I do this? Shouldn't I do that? I wonder if this is really doing anything. It doesn't feel like it did when I sat on retreat. I'm not having any special experiences. I'm just, you know, on and on, right? So that is actually... Doubt, so you can actually bring attention to that experience and know that as the state of sort of confusion, uh, doubt, and feel what that feels like. So actually bring attention to it, know it, right? So these five hindrances are actually just like these weather patterns that go through your mind, body, and which actually you can bring mindfulness to, you can bring awareness to, and it's very good to practice this kind of relationship with, to doubt. Then the two other uh, pairs, one is of sleepiness and restlessness, so two opposites, right? So sleepiness, uh, as I see somewhat taking over the room here too, is like uh, <laughs> the body tired, the mind tired, sinking, right? right? So you can actually bring some energy to that experience, uh, get interested in it, and actually feel like, so what does it feel like to be sleepy? Like where's the edges of sleepiness? What does sleepiness feel like in my toes? You know, where does it come from? Does it start here and erupt? Does it drift in like the fog over Twin Peaks? You know, like that. Like, what is sleepiness like? How does it come in? What does it feel like? So actually feeling that in the body, right? Uh, you can also help yourself, because sometimes you have the best intention, but you're just so tired. So you can open your eyes, right? Let out some light. You can stand up, actually, do standing meditation. But knowing this state, sleepiness in the body and the mind is helpful. Then the opposite is restlessness, right? So you're like, sit down, but you're just like so wanting to jump out of your skin, right? So sometimes it's in the mind, like you're worried about something a lot. Worry, regret, kind of. Restlessness of mind. And sometimes it's like restlessness of the body, right? You just feel like, you know, like the engine, the body is like revving, right? Like, like how can I sit still? 
Then sometimes you have a multiple attack where you're like, then you have doubt. Like, oh, maybe I should have gone to the gym instead of this. Right? Clearly, my body doesn't want to sit. Right? So it's good to, to check that because then this is also just another energetic pattern that's going through the, the body-mind, right? which also you can bring awareness to. So with all of these, you bring awareness to them. You can see them as not me, mine, weather patterns going through, changing also. It's not like this will be here permanently. Which anytime there's this feeling like, oh, this is going to kill me or something like that, right? It's good to be like, okay, so look, it's impermanent, it's changing, it's not how it is forever, right? Notice that. Um, with restlessness, it's good to give a big container, right? So actually not to kind of bear down on it in some way, but actually sort of expand with some spaciousness so that that can actually hold the energy, right? That's like so uh, active. So you say it's like if there's a, a calf or a, a uh, horse that's like bucking is like very energetic like you don't want to put it in a little stall if you put it in a little, little stall it's going to like freak out more right kick more so actually put it in a big pasture and then let it like run around jump around do its thing and then after a while it kind of settles down so similarly with your awareness with your attention instead of like trying to bear down on it you kind of like like make my attention as spacious as this entire room right and within that spaciousness then whatever the body is doing can be held so like and then the other two pair are uh, desire, right? So wanting something, sort of craving, uh, and then aversion, not wanting something. So desire can be like, uh, you know, I really want to watch this show. I want to eat something now. Uh, usually like wanting certain experience of some sort. And then aversion is like pushing away. So that could be like, if it's really boring, it seems like your meditation is boring, right? Or if there's body pain, you don't want to sit with that. Uh, if there's memories that come up that are disturbing to you, right, or something like that. So a lot of times what happens, frankly, when you're sitting your daily practice is not like some beatific experience, right? Sometimes it is, and that's great. Uh, but some of the time it just feels like taking out the garbage in some way, right? So you're just like rehashing conversations you had during the day in some conglomerate form, you know, running through this and that. Did I forget to turn off the lights? You know, just like humdrum stuff, it seems like, right? But in some way, there's a way in which, like, the system gets so tight during the day that actually even doing that, I think, is like helping the system to relax and sort of unwind itself, right? And then you actually have a moment to even notice what it was that you didn't have time to notice during the day, right? So even something like as our body gets, you know, tighter, right? It's like each, there are different things that sort of accumulate on us that we sort of contract, 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 right? And during the day, we're like too busy, like trying to get things done or do this or something. So we're not noticing necessarily like each of those little contract, 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 right? It's hard to do that, right? So when you're sitting is actually a chance, even if it feels like, oh, I'm, all I'm feeling is all this contraction is like actually giving that some attention. So loving attention, kind attention in which that can kind of like unravel itself. So like if you have a rope that's like tight, 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 and then you let go of the end and it starts to be like, you know, so. It's okay, like, let the body, let the mind do what it needs to do. Uh, it's good for it, you know, in some way, I found. It's like, good, you know, whatever it is. And then also letting go of our judgment. So this was a good sitting, this was a bad sitting. I achieved this much more in my spiritual growth. You know, if I have a little marker on the door frame, like you do with the growth as little kids, you know. Okay, you know, so it's like some, there's some amount of just, like, putting in the time, you know, like, sitting, Yeah. then. Each time that you do that, developing these habits of being present, developing the habits of mindfulness, right? And we're always cultivating something or another, so this is good to uh, 
keep in mind. It's like all of our life we're cultivating this or that. In every moment, cultivating this or that. So what are we cultivating now? Are we cultivating kindness? Are we cultivating fear? Cultivating revenge? Are we cultivating spaciness? Right? So there are all these different possible, you know, grooves that are being dug in our mind, right? Cultivating mindfulness. It's a good one to dig. So as we practice something, then that kind of groove gets dug more. It becomes more the habit of the mind, right? So regardless of what the content is of your experience when you sit, the fact that you've like tried to bring attention there, done the best you could, even if it's for only like two seconds of being there, then, you know, that's great. You've dug that groove more than if you were just doing something else. So that's the the pitch for daily practice. So, you know, uh, think about your own temperament and what works. Think about how to make a place that uh, you feel like would be sort of appealing to you and have the stuff that you need there. Uh, also, if you live with other people, of course, you have to, like, negotiate out that time. So, like, the kids or, you know, uh, roommates don't bug you, right? Uh, turn off mobile devices, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, just make that, that's your little retreat for that uh, period of time, right? So ideally you set the amount of time and then if you have a little timer thing you can set then that helps you not to have to worry about it and keep like looking at the clock like that, right? Um, a few diff- different like things to play with though too. So one is with this hindrance thing. So some people say like I'm really interested in these hindrances so uh, or not interested in them but uh, they come. So I'm going to actually sit until I see three different hindrances. So I'll be sitting here and there will be this piece of me that like wants to get up. So what's that about? So what's going on? So like okay, oh that's doubt. Right. Okay, what does that feel like? Okay, got that. Then you settle down again, and then this other thing, like, uh, it's really boring. I don't want to sit here. Oh, that's aversion. Okay, so just notice before you get up. And then the, then the third one will come, like, oh, I really should make it. I really want to eat dinner. I'm hungry, right? Okay, desire, you know, like that. So you can decide, like, okay, I'm going to sit here until three of them go. Fourth one, I'll let it go, because I'm only human, and, you know, I'll sit through three answers. So you can decide something like that. Um, Anyway, just some words on daily practice for you. So questions, comments about that? Yeah. I had a question about the elements. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> sort of. I I really connect with nature. Yeah. But I do have a hard time living in the city and, like, kind of keeping a positive attitude about connecting. Yeah. Because it's ugly. Yeah. A lot of times it's like, ah, this isn't where I want to be. Yeah. You know, so I... It, I appreciate your talking about like the underground pipes and that kind of system and comparing that. Um, but I, I'm trying to kind of grapple with how do I keep not, you know, make that negative groove about, Oh, I get off the highway and it's just ugly and I'm in my car and I'm disconnected and yeah. There's many different ways to work with that. So one is actually, so if that's your experience, is like you get off the highway and you're like, ah, pavement hell, I'm back and, you know, then that's your experience. So then it's like, oh, okay, this is aversion. Like, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to hate where I am, right? How does that feel, right? And just feeling that, like really feeling what that feels like in terms of the uh, the body, the mind, right? So sometimes it's only when you actually feel that pain of that that you start to realize like, oh, there's actually not a great thing to cultivate, this sense of hatred, right? <laughs> you know? Because uh, otherwise there's a part of you that's like, oh, this is actually true, and so I should continue thinking this because everyone knows it's better to be in nature, and, you know, like, so there can be this whole story about it that sort of cultivates along this aversion, really, right? 
So actually feeling that and dropping into the, the emotional feeling below that story about it, right? So that's one thing you can do. And then having compassion for oneself in that experience. Because basically, anytime that we want things to be different than they are, that is like fighting the law of gravity, right? So here I am on the road and I want to be in Muir Woods and I'm not. <laughs> it's like some version of like, I want to be somewhere I'm not. Recipe for suffering, right? So, uh, and we all do it all the time, right? Many times. But, uh, you know, so it's good to see that. It's like, oh, okay, this is, this is what the, the dynamic is here, right? And clinging to something. Have this idea in my mind come up, clinging to it, right? Uh, clinging to what, what it could be, what it should be, right? Uh, so just seeing that, right? The other is you can do a little reflection, because actually all the roads, too, is made of minerals, right? I mean, it's different form, right? But it's all like rocks and tar and all this stuff, right? So you can play a little game of like the elements that I see around, you know? It's like the air and the tar and the, you know, the water and see that's, that's part of me. I'm part of this, too, you know? kind of reflection like that, right? And the other thing is also just to understand if you're like a person who likes nature to try to get yourself into nature sometimes. <laughs> so it's not just to actually, you know, suffer with it, but it's like, oh yeah, this is something that actually feeds me is to be around nature and a lot of time I'm not able to, so like, let me go to nature in the weekends or something like that. Like, let me actually prioritize that. Because I think there is something nice about being able to be in the natural world and I think sort of remember ourselves as part of that, that it's true, it's harder to do in the city like in the city, sometimes it feels like everything's on this certain, like, uh, pace and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, I mean, I think in the barrier, it's nice because you can see nature sometimes even around. Sometimes you can see the mountains and this and that, which helps to put things in perspective a little, you know. Um, but still, it's different than being in the middle of the deep forest, too, right? So it's also recognize if that's part of who you are, that you need that, like, okay, compassionate thing for me to do would be actually to, like, prioritize taking myself on walks, like you take your dog on a walk, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know, take myself to the park, something, yeah. And then also even in your home, like you can decide, like, oh, I want to have some plants or something, like nature's important to me, so like, um, this is part of my like, altar, it's like a little plant area, like natural thing, or, you know, in your car even, a little test tube plant, well, VWs have that, right, a little test tube plastic flower, <laughs> plastic flower may not be convincing, but you know, something like that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think it's good both to bring the awareness to it, bring compassion to it, but then also to see like, okay, so what can I do to help uh, help myself uh, be happy in this too? So speaking of being happy and releasing, I think it's we're at our time. So why don't we just sit for a moment and we'll share the merit from our practicing here together. So this is a sharing blessings. So you can just connect again to your body, the solidity of ourselves touching the ground. Take a breath, feeling the air coming in and out. You can feel the water in our mouth, connecting to the water element. Feeling the temperature, how it is in our body right now. So here we've had this opportunity to practice together and to share the Dhamma, hear the Dhamma. It's actually a very beneficial thing for us to do for ourselves and for everyone that we encounter. So we appreciate ourselves for having come here tonight. And we share the blessings from our practice with everyone here. 
and with all the other beings made of the same elements, seen, unseen, near, far, in the air, on the earth, in the water. Just as we wish to be happy, all beings wish to be happy. Just as we wish to be safe, all beings wish to be safe. Just as we wish to be free from suffering, so do all beings wish to be free from suffering. And we wish this for them as well. So the train has come that tells us to uh, leave the meditation hall. So thank you for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here with you and hope to see you again sometime. Uh, I have a Dharma uh, webpage on MySpace, myspace.com slash Anushka F. So you can check it out. I have some recommendations of books and Dharma cartoons and this and that. And uh, yeah, I teach around the Bay Area and sometimes further afield. So hope to see you again.